ho, 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 ho. What is up, everybody? What's up, Brett and Jacob? What's up, man? What's up? Fucking another day, dude. You're going to do this podcast, and then I got to do, Jacob, I got to do some manual labor today, man. Got to pull some bushes, got to uh. cut the grass, got to get mulched down, dude. This is manual labor type of day, man. Got to get ready for that Bucks Sunday game shit. at 6.30. Sunday man. shit. <laughs> that Bucks hoodie is fire, man. Oh, that's dude, got like the old school, kind of got like a hockey jersey it vibe is. to it. It almost it looks is. like, yeah, it is, dude. It's like dope. goalie or something. It's dope, I like dude. That. I feel naked. No hat today, though. I feel naked. Milwaukee little, pucks. Little naked Milwaukee. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> dude, I hate you, man. So, dude, today, dude, we got an interesting episode, man. We're going to talk about the the bottom dwellers of the NBA. But um, with that being said, much, much, much to Jacob's chagrin. It's April twenty fifth, twenty twenty one. We ain't talking about the Knicks and the bottom dwellers today, baby. They're the fourth seed. They're 34 and 27. Tom Thibodeau, dude, he's got – if he's not the front runner, he's got to be at least second in voting for coach of the year. Dude, he's killing it. Jacob, I'm, I'm giving you the floor right now. Would you like to admit you were wrong on the Knicks and Brett and I were right? Would you like to admit that they got the higher right? It's up to you. I'm giving you a shot. I mean, I mean to say I'm wrong and you guys are right, none of us had them in the fourth seed. None of us had them in the top eight. So I don't know how, how wrong. Like we, we were in pretty much agreement how bad the Knicks were going to be at the start of this year. I was just uh, lower We were on in agreement Thibodeau. that we thought they were going to be bad, but we did disagree. I thought Thibodeau was a great hire. Great hire. You can check the tapes. Brett did too. You did not. You did not like that hire at all. I thought it was I thought it was a good hire. I thought it would probably get them into the playoffs. When we did our preview, I think I said they were a play in team. And you but even I did said say that they were going to be a top, top 10 defensive defense. team. Top five, I believe. Yeah. That's Maybe it was close. top 10, but they are top five for sure. Maybe I did say top 10, and that was taken as like a hot take at the time. But Tibbs, man, that's what he does. That's what he does. He'll get you playing defense. He'll get you into the playoffs. Um, and, but no, they have far exceeded my wildest expectations, to be clear. Yeah, they've been outstanding, like as good as could be this far, obviously. Oh, I mean, man. I mean, they just get a bit of – it's it's a combination of Tibbs, them really buying into the way Tibbs coaches – Randall taking a jump, Barrett improving, them hitting on a draft pick. You know, these everything's kind of come together. Nerlens Noel, Mitchell Robinson playing really well. It's just it's all come together. And don't forget, the East has not been good. Like the four fair, seed, it's fair. it's it's flattering for them to be the four seed. I totally buy them as a sixth seed, maybe even a fifth seed. But four seed is absolutely because of how the East is this year. And it's and it's pretty bunched together in that yeah. range, you know, with Boston, Atlanta, um, Miami. I don't know how far back they are, but just and one quick thing about Randall. I watched that whole game yesterday against Toronto, and that guy's insane. I mean, like he's so confident right now, mm-hmm. and I mean he's. It's weird because when he came into the league, you know, with the Lakers, he was like this almost like bruising interior player, and now he could always handle the ball, even going back to his college days. But this three-point shooting, like off the dribble, he had OG Ananobi, one of the best defensive players in the league, and a big dude draped all over him, defending him as well as you can possibly guard him. And he's just pulling threes and draining them. I I couldn't believe it. Like OG could not have defended him any better. And he's just pulling threes, swish, swish, swish. I mean, it's really something what he's done as a shooter. So the Knicks... The Knicks are for real, and yeah, they're not going to be in this conversation about the bottom. I love it. I love it, too. I I love it, too. One thing that I wish, man, dude, I know, like, I get it. I keep harping on this, man, but could you imagine Madison Square Garden packed with fans and the Knicks are good? Like, dude, it'd be be nuts, man. Next season. Next season. It it, it would be nuts. It would be nuts. But 
All right, so we're going to talk about a couple teams that absolutely suck. Um, that uh, probably <laughs> we're going to try to give you some hope. I mean, I was joking. Um, we don't. We could. We we could just call this the Minnesota Pod. I mean, um, we don't. We don't. We don't have to start there though. But I mean, Brett, the mini, the mini pod, the mini yeah. pod, the mini pod. <laughs> I mean, Brett, we'll, we'll we'll start with you, man. Which which kind of of these bottom feeders do you want to kind of start with? I know. I know you're wearing the hat. I know that's your team right there, OKC. I mean, do you want to start with them? You have the floor. <laughs> start with any of these teams that you want. All right. Yeah, that sounds good, man. I I sort of identified six teams that were distinctly below the rest in in my opinion um and certainly as far as the standings go yeah OKC is is one of them um but I'm you know pretty optimistic about their outlook uh for a number of reasons probably the most prominent of which is the fact that they have 34 draft picks over the next 7 years that's 17 first rounders and 17 second rounders I believe mm-hmm. normally a team would have 14 draft picks in that period of time. OKC has 34. So they've got a lot of options. And I also think they've got a really good young core, which is very important and something we'll probably look at with all these teams. Um, and I like theirs a lot. When you've got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 22, 23 years old. Uh, Darius Baisley, 20 years old. Uh, Lou Dort is like 21. Pokashevsky is like 19. So, I mean, those four right there, I think – all could be NBA starters in the long term. SGA for sure, probably Baisley. Uh, and then you've even got guys like Isaiah Roby, Moses Brown, uh, who they just inked to a longer term deal. And then Theo Maladon, um, the rookie out of France, who's maybe not a starting level point guard long term, but definitely a nice piece. And I mean, I think that right there is a, a pretty solid young core when you consider they're probably going to have a top five pick uh, in this upcoming draft. And there is a pretty good chance they're going to have two lottery picks. Uh, they they have Houston's 2021 first round pick, which is top four protected. But no matter how bad Houston finishes, that's going to essentially come down to a coin flip. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, it's maybe 50-50. Maybe I don't know if it's 52% Houston has. Jacob, you probably know the, the exact odds on that one. But either way, there's a pretty good chance they're going to not only have their own pick, which is very likely to land in the top five, top six range, but also Houston's as long as it's outside of the top four. So you put that, you know, in, in a strong draft like this, you put two top 10 picks on top of that young core that I just mentioned. And then you look at, some of the assets they have, like they've got Al Horford um, still, you know, he hasn't played this second half of the season, but he's still under contract for next season and the season after that at like what, $27 million. I mean, that's why he's getting out. So they'll they'll get more assets for him. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you take his $27 million contract, you attach a couple of those million picks (laughs) to that. And then you, that's how you get a star. So you could very easily next season have two very nice draft picks, Baisley, SGA, the other guys I mentioned, plus a star level player that you could get for Horford in a couple of future picks, maybe a future first, a future second, however they do it. So it's just like they've got a lot of flexibility. And I've said this before, and I think Nate Duncan was the first person I heard say it, but they could become a 50 win team whenever they want. Okay. It's just about cashing in those chips. And um, whether or not they go all in in that direction before next season or they take it as another developmental year, we'll see. And the last thing I'll say about OKC is 
Darius Baisley has been absolutely <laughs> balling lately. Uh, he was out with a with a fractured scapula. He missed about a month. Um, and in the eight games since he's been back, he's averaging about 20 points and seven rebounds per game. Um, he had like back-to-back 26-point games and then a 20-point game that was actually pretty efficient, especially for him. So he's been given a massive opportunity with some super high usage and just a green light to do his thing. And I'd say he's making the most of it. Um, I know they want to fast track his development and then we all know what SGA can do. So those two right there, man, and and everything else I've mentioned, I'm super high on them. And that's why I chose to wear their hat today. I do have an Orlando magic hat. Um, I do have a Minnesota Timberwolves hat, but I went with the OKC cause Dude, those are my guys. You know, we haven't, we haven't done guests yet. And I, I think in the future, we're going to, we're going to try to get some guests on mostly from, uh, from the group. But I mean, if Darius Baisley doesn't join this podcast, because you are the biggest super fan I've I ever seen of him, like, dude, God. I mean, it's just, it's just disrespectful. Darius Baisley, if you're listening, which you should be, Brett, we'll reach out to him. come on our podcast, man. Even if you want to do a one-on-one with Brett. Just come on the podcast, yeah. man, because there is we'll nobody, nobody is standing yes. harder for you than Brett. Nobody. Nobody. I'm nobody doubling down, man. It's my guy. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's slowly, slowly coming around for Darius to see because this seat he's been super inefficient, but he's been getting time on the floor and he has been getting better. So it's it's yeah. looking positive for him. I am Well Mark Mark Dagnall, Coach Dagnall talked about it and he said that, you know, um, if if they had Baisley in the role they had him in last season, he'd be a lot more consistent and a lot more efficient. But they've thrown him into the fire. And again, Coach Dagnall has talked about this, that like they want to accelerate his development. And they think the best way to do that is to just throw him into the fire, let him figure things out, let him take these bumps, you know, and, and just keep going and keep pushing through. And that's what he's doing. And it looks like it's starting to pay off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, just to throw out there, because... I think we can all agree. Okay, see, out of all the teams we're going to talk about, they're probably the best set up to succeed long term. Like we're going to talk about a lot of teams who have very little hope in the next five years of being very good. OKC are probably set up to be the best of all these teams. And just to give some context, because I did the um, tanking doesn't work pod a little while ago. And I kind of ran through the process with Philly. What OKC is doing is like the process on steroids, like where Philly had, I think, 27 picks over a five, six year span. And they had about 10 first rounders. This is basically what the process was, plus a load more first rounders, plus already having a player like SGA, Ludor, Baisley, Poku before you've even gotten started, which is like a whole new level to the process. And it, it feels a little bit different than Philly too. It, you know, I think they were kind of, both te- situations are very different. You know, Oklahoma city, they really got to play off of the Clippers desperately, desperately needing Paul George. Right. I mean, they, there's no Kawhi if there's no Paul George there, then they made the rust deal for, you know, Chris Paul. I mean, everything kind of, kind of fell into place, dude. And I, I agree with you. I, I would even characterize as OKC as like the, the nineties bulls or the recent golden state warriors, as far as like these teams that we're going to talk about. I mean, they're, they're the best of the bunch. Right. And I know let, let's pivot to another team here. I mean, Brett, you mentioned them. We kind of talked about them. I want to get here kind of Jacob's talk or Jacob's thoughts, the, the Orlando magic, you know, they made, they got a, made a lot of moves at, at, at the trade deadline to kind of set themselves up. I joked before we got on here, it seems like the magic are always rebuilding. Um, especially since that, that finals run that they had with Dwight and, 
and Sam Van Gundy and J.J. Redick. So, I mean, Jacob, what are kind of your thoughts on where do you see Orlando in, in this bunch of uh, kind of bottom feelers? Do you have them? I, obviously, OKC won. Do you have them kind of right below them with kind of some of the assets behind or but they have? Or where, where do you see them? Uh, I probably don't see them as high. Like, I put OKC above a team like Minnesota, despite Minnesota having probably – Probably the most talented player out of all these teams right now in Cats. I put OKC above them just because the assets they have, the potential value of those assets is so much greater than even like Cat. Like if, if the if the most OKC got out of this asset uh, pool is just a player of Cat's level, that would be them un, like underperforming. Whereas a team like Orlando, if they got a player like Cat from their asset base, I would see that as kind of over overperforming for them. So for me, Orlando is a step below that. But at the same time, Orlando isn't quite the same as some of these teams because Orlando have been underperforming the last couple of years, kind of because of injury issues. Like young players not getting time on the floor, injury issues they traded, you know, Evan Fournier. Aaron Gordon, uh, Vucevic, they're kind of their older core, but they still have Isaac if he can come around. They still have Fultz. They still have Cole Anthony. They have some like really interesting young players. And then they have these draft picks, which the big difference, I think, between when you guys did that trade deadline pod and now is that Chicago has been trash <laughs> since that. Yeah. And that draft pick is now super valuable, especially in this draft it could easily be a top 10 pick. Right now, I think it's slated at like eighth. They're slated to get the fourth and the eighth pick, I believe, which in a draft like this where we're saying there's five, maybe five superstar potential players at the top of the board, that's wild. That's like Orlando could leave this if they play their cards right. They could go into next year with one of the most exciting young teams, assuming Isaac is healthy, which I think is one of the keys to Orlando's future. If Jonathan Isaac can stay on the floor and stay healthy, they have one of the best defenders in the league. If they don't, then they are rebuilding from basically nothing. Because I think Fultz is okay. He's probably a starter point guard at his best. Cole Anthony, when is the jury's still out on what he can actually be, Jonathan Isaac is a stud. It's just, will he actually fulfill his potential? If not, then they are building from nothing. And then I'm not sure Orlando has enough assets to really... Be re- rebuild themselves in the next four to five years. I don't. I don't really think they do outside of Isaac. And if they nail this draft, yeah, that um that Bulls pick is top four protected, right? Mm-hmm. So and it, it is looking like to that that trade for the Bulls. Like you know, I didn't hate it at the time. It was like okay, I maybe this it. does get them into I the playoffs. It, but- yeah, I kind of did too. I, I think I called it a win win for both. I liked it for both teams. Um, I think I probably liked it better for Orlando though. But it doesn't. Ma- but now it's like that trade always had the potential to backfire massively because if you're sort of sacrificing a large degree of your future to try to make the playoffs now, and then you don't even make the playoffs now, like maybe they might, I don't even, well, it's hard to say because Levine is out now with COVID and I'm not going to say they got worse. And I think in the long term they're probably a little better, but they missed the playoffs and they gave up those picks. And the tough thing is like, it does look like they're going to land in that sort of sweet spot or sweet for Orlando, like in that eight range where they're not bad enough to keep their pick as a top four. Um, and then they're, they're not going to be good enough to where it's not a good pick and it's going to work out nicely for Orlando. So they'll probably have two top 10 picks, like you said. And um, so that's a good start. And uh, yeah, faults. I mean, I like him. 
I, I, I like him more and more the more I see him. I think he's got a lot of nice things about his game. Um, I think he's got some Drew Holiday in his game on both ends. Just needs to get that jumper down. Not going to hold my breath on that one. Uh, Jonathan Isaac just needs to stay healthy. I think he's going to be fine. He's so young. And by the time next season starts, that's going to be, you know, uh, who knows exactly when it's going to start. Hopefully just on schedule. But that's going to be like 14, 15 months at least removed from that ACL. And he's a hardworking kid. He's only 22, whatever. So I think he's going to be fine as long as he can stay healthy. I like the the Cole Anthony Fultz thing. I, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see who sort of wins that positional battle. I think it's going to be a fun one to keep an eye on. I also think they could they could play together. Fultz has some size. I think they could play together. And then you got RJ Hampton as another guard. So yeah. Terrence Ross uh, is under contract for a couple more seasons. Um, a couple other guys, though, would be Wendell Carter Jr., who they got for Vooch. And uh, he's under contract next season. And then I think he's uh, a restricted free agent. Um, he's probably a guy they're going to want to bring back long-term. He's looked pretty good. And then Chumo Kiki is on a rookie deal. I'm a big fan of his as well. Uh, so, you know, they've got some pieces. Um, and they also got Gary Harris uh, from Denver in the Aaron Gordon trade, who is under contract next season. Next season, his contract will be an expiring contract for about $20 million. So uh, that could be something they could and probably will look to move. Uh, you know, that that's that's going to be a pretty tradable contract, I think, uh, because of its expiring nature. And I don't I, I should have double checked this, but I don't believe they're going to have a ton of cap space this summer for free agency. So, you know, between the, the draft picks and then maybe trading a guy like Harris, that's probably how you accelerate this rebuild. But like I said on that pod with you, Steve, like I don't feel like they tore it down completely because you still have some pretty nice pieces um, I think you're still arguably like at least a play and if not playoff team in the East, fully healthy. They've just n- not been close to fully healthy this season. So I'm pretty high on them. I'd probably have them in, in probably my top three of these six teams for sure. Below OKC, maybe we'll get to Minnesota, but I think they're probably in, in that same sort of level of optimism for me. You know what? Let, let's let's get to Minnesota. Let's get to Minnesota, <laughs> Jacob's hometown team. It Notice is. Jacob's yeah. got the curtain behind him, so no one sees, you know, downtown Minneapolis right now. Um <laughs> you, you know, another another let, let's let's clarify this. Carl Anthony Towns has been through hell the last year with with his family being decimated by COVID. Uh, he had COVID, you know, injuries. So let let's let's put all that in perspective. All right. Like we're not we understand that we're not uh, you know, bad mouthing Carl uh, Anthony Towns. Like, kudos to him for even playing this year. I think everyone would understand if he wanted to, you know, take the year off. But mm-hmm. with that being said, it's Minnesota. It's another season of unfulfilled expectations. Uh, obviously, they've been decimated by injuries. You know, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns have barely, I mean, you think about when that trade happened last year, they barely played together. They have Anthony Edwards. The ownership is a mess from top to bottom. Um, earlier this year, we had Kevin Garnett really wanted to buy Minnesota. You you know that he wasn't going to move the team. Him and Glenn Taylor don't get along. Glenn Taylor just sold the team to Alex Rodriguez. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, A-Rod has ties to Seattle, although I, I said it on the last pod. I, I really don't. Shout out to Seattle fans. I want you guys to get a team. I think the next team is going to be Vegas, unfortunately. But that would still be fun, so I shouldn't say unfortunately. But, I mean, which one of you guys wants to start? It's Minnesota again. Here we are talking about Minnesota. I feel like we could do a podcast. Could have done this last year. Could have done this the year before. And we could do this uh, next year, too, because I don't know if they're just cursed. Uh, Shout out to Ethan Lane. But I I just don't know Mm -hmm. what Minnesota can kind of do 
to kind of right the ship. So, Jacob, it's your hometown team. Why don't you tell us uh, <laughs> kind of what what your outlook is on the Minnesota Timberwolves? Oh, my outlook for the Minnesota Timberwolves is not not good at all. This team, like they ever since they they've been digging themselves a hole. I think throughout the Cat and the Wiggins run by sticking with Wiggins, by paying him the amount of money they paid him, based on um, didn't Glenn Taylor look him in the eye and be like, are you going to get better? And he said, yeah. And he was like, all right, I'm going to pay you this, all this money. It's like fair play to him for having the balls, but that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And this team has been bad since then. The trade for D'Angelo Russell was a bad trade all round for them. The fact that they could now be giving up like – if it goes through, they could be giving up the number five pick for and the better player in the trade, possibly, because Wiggins has played the best basketball of his career in Golden State. D'Angelo Russell, like you say, has barely played. I think him and Cat combined have played 70 games, and Anthony Edwards has played 61 this year, which just tells you, and Anthony Edwards is by far... I think it's way less. I think it's actually way less than that is for Cat and D'Lo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like... Like the T twenty, maybe I don't know. That's, Not it's it's low. That's that's so it's shockingly low. Yeah, they they've not played together. Anthony Edwards, bless him. Like I'm not a fan, but you couldn't really put him in a worse situation to start his career. So I want to hold back on the Anthony Edwards. Like he's not a star. He's not going to be a star because I don't think he's going to be a star. But I've also only seen him in the worst situation, maybe in the NBA for him in terms of both leadership because Saunders. This, this team was a train wreck to start the year. It's gotten better under Fitch, but with injuries, with the um, the kind of the setup, the front office, it's been a train wreck for them. They have basically no real assets. The fact that they've come this far and outside of Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, this team has almost no asset base. Apart, Oh, Jaden McDaniels, of course. Jaden McDaniels, who was a great pickup for them at like number 28. But apart from that, you've got like Jarrett Culver, who... Shout out to Ethan Lane again. He Even he was like, he might be the worst player in the NBA. And they drafted him with a sixth overall pick a couple of years ago. That type of wasting of key assets is what gets you in this situation. And I don't think they're going to be able to crawl their way out of it in the near future, in the far future. This team is probably, yeah, it's probably cursed. Yeah, I think you need to rip it down. At the studs, hey, you need Jacob, to just, just to yes. just just to correct you there. Brett was right because I, I knew seventy sounded way too high. Um, D'Angelo Russell came back the first week of April. That was the sixth time him and Carl Anthony Towns have played. Together. Oh, oh no, I I mean the amount of games they've each played separate, like games played this year. I don't oh, mean played gotcha, together. Okay. They they have uh, never played gotcha, seventy gotcha. games together. But they, yeah, I think yeah, they played yeah, seventeen yeah. Oh, I individually. You. I think Brett and I, okay, that Brett and I, I, I think got you. And, and I think you know you have to also you know yeah, they yeah, signed they signed Malik yeah. Beasley to 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 that contract, and you know he had the thing you know with Scotty Pippen's ex wife, dude, and it's just been downhill. He got arrested, like dude, it's just like mm-hmm. it almost goes back Brett to when um who was our general manager? Was it was it David Kahn who who passed on Steph Curry not once but twice? Yeah, you know they're just a <laughs> yeah. train wreck. They get they get flipped back. Um. It kind of starts building something. They get Kevin Garnett to mentor Carl Anthony Towns. You kind of think that this team is like kind of on the up and up. Flip unfortunately dies, and then you get bringing Tom, Tom Thibodeau. He makes a trade, uh, Zach Levine for Jimmy Butler, and kind of going back to what you said, Jacob, about Glenn Taylor. Glenn Taylor or whoever in Minnesota's, whether I think it was the owner, he he writes the checks. 
they decided to give Andrew Wiggins all this money and not Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, we all know the story that happens there. They go to the playoffs one time, Jimmy Butler's gone, and now this team is just back to, you know, being really, really bad, you know. And, and Brett, I mean, kind of same question that we asked Jacob, what is your outlook on Minnesota? Do you have a little bit more optimism, or is it just kind of like, dude, this this team is cursed, yeah. you know, they, they just – they're really, really bad. <laughs> no, I think I'm I'm significantly more optimistic. Uh, first of all, they've been playing pretty well. They've won three of their last five, four of their last eight. Um, the combination of having Cat and D'Lo now back healthy, and also Coach Finch running things, they they look like a different team. They look a lot better than they did before that. They're still. Hey, can we just talk about great, that? Obviously. I just don't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to give everyone that's no, listening. No, no, no. Just what they did. So they have Flip Saunders' kid as the head coach. They hi- they fired him earlier this season and hired Chris Finch. They never even interviewed this guy. He was never brought in like to interview with them. They were just like, <laughs> oh, Nick Nurse's staff. All right, got to hire that guy. Like It's just like complete like <laughs> utter madness. I'm sorry, but it's just Minnesota no, is just, as a franchise that just they do weird, weird shit. Mm-hmm. I, I like Ryan Saunders. Um, I've actually met him. It's one of the reasons I like him so much. He's a very nice guy. I've watched him coach, coach up close at Summer League, um, you know, when he was just an assistant and was very impressed with the way he coached, the way he managed the game. Um, clearly, he wasn't a great NBA coach, but I've always liked him, always rooted for him. And I didn't like how it went down where it's like, why not just wait till the end of the season? You know, you're in the tank anyway, or why didn't you do it before the season? Like just, it felt, it wasn't surprising, but it felt a little abrupt, but that said it, it has worked out pretty well. And now I see why they did it. I don't blame them for doing it. It seems like the right thing. And, and at least they're building a little bit of momentum here now. Yeah. But the, the, that trade, like you said, Jacob was, was rough for them because I think you could make the argument that Wiggins is actually a better player than D'Lo, which nobody would have said at the time of the trade. Um, they're close, you know, definitely. But that pick um, is only top three protected. So, I, I, again, I don't know the exact odds, but what is it, like 40% at maybe not even that, that they could keep that yeah, pick? They have, they have some they, 30, currently 40%. Minnesota has the second worst record in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Right, Plus, but even if they have the worst record, right, right, they're right, only, right. they've That's, only got a 40% yeah. chance of keeping a top three pick. So, you lose that. And, and the thing is, um, even if they hold on to that pick, which would be nice because this is a very strong draft, then they st- Golden State still gets their 2022 pick unprotected, which is going to be – so they're giving up a very nice pick either way. But this is probably the one you want to keep just based on this draft. I think Beasley, that that seemed crazy when they signed him, right? Because I think that was after he had been arrested. And it just felt like a lot of money to give a guy that he showed um, – in the second half of last season that he could light it up for sure, but it's still 15 million a year. I think it was four years, 60 felt like a lot, but after the way he played this season, that actually seems pretty reasonable to me. I mean, he was like a 20 point a game scorer for them before he got hurt, obviously a bad team, but I mean, just eye test, he, he can play. And um, so that might be a tradable piece. Okay. Cause in their team, that's not going to attract free agents. They never have. So you got to look at ways to trade if you really want to shake up your roster. And I think that Beasley contract is very tradable at, at $15 million. Um, Rubio's is expiring after next season at $18 million. That's another one you could probably move. So I think they've got some options when it comes to trades. And then the Cat and D'Lo are each there for, I think Cat's there through 2024 on his contract, D'Lo through 2023. 
Um, and then, of course, Jade McDaniels and Edwards are on their rookie deals. So you've got that core. And then, yeah, I don't know what you want to do with Culver, Kogi, guys like that. But you've got a pretty nice core, man. Talented, for sure. You know, if they can somehow get lucky and hold on to that top three pick, uh, you know, and I don't know enough about these incoming rookies yet to say who they should draft. But obviously, like if you could get Cade Cunningham, that would be awesome. And there's a chance. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be big. A lot of this is going to hinge on that. And and like we're going to talk about this more with some of these other teams even. But this lottery is going to be crazy. Well, it's going to be lit. I wanna, I wanna- it's going to be the most exciting lottery ever based on like all these different things that can happen with these pick swaps and yeah. and picks going to protected picks. Like it's it's right. really wild. I want to I want to ask you both this. Um, you know, like obviously kind of what I said at the top when we were talking about Minnesota, I think Carl Anthony Towns for what he's been through. I mean, I, I think he definitely deserves a pass this year. And I, I mean that in all sincerity. I mean, like I said, if he didn't want to play, like I wouldn't uh, judge him at all. But I think I wanted to ask you guys, though, eventually, you know, Jacob, you talk about it a lot. All the talent that this kid has, it just seems to never, ever impact winning. Like at some point, it needs to start impacting winning, you know, he because he's he's the guy, whether it's injuries. I've always said, you know, you guys hear me say it all the time, which makes LeBron so great. Your best ability is your availability. Like At some point, like I think that he's got to be the catalyst to really turn this franchise around. Like I think he needs to be in, in, up to – I mean, what would you say his skill level is at in the NBA, Jacob? If, if you just looked at raw talent, do you think he's – what do you think he is? Top 15, top 20? Higher than that, but from a just from a straight yeah, skill I'd probably, perspective, I'd probably say, I, I, yeah, I would probably say top fifteen. I think him in a vacuum, all the players you put, take all the players out of their teams, just look at their skill sets. He's an All NBA player to me. But just to just to hit on that, you can it's fine to say that, but then he's one of five players on the court, and just to give you an idea of how hamstrung he is by the players on the court with him when. Um, he is, uh, for his career, his on-off numbers. So how good, how much he improves the Minnesota Timberwolves when he's on the floor, about plus six points per 100 possessions. But when he's on the floor, the Minnesota Timberwolves are plus 0.3 points per 100 possessions. When he's off the floor, they're minus six nearly. So you can, so it's it's fine to say like he needs to impact winning. He is making the team, when he's on the floor, they are about average. When he's off the floor, they are one of the worst teams in the NBA. I'm talking about across their careers, like for his entire career span of now like 400 games-ish. So it's it's for me, it's a bit of the Kevin Garnett thing where we're like, why can't Kevin Garnett lead the Timberwolves to the best team, the best team in the West when Tim Duncan can and Dirk can? So like, look at the team around him. The team around him is maybe the worst roster in the league. You cannot expect these players aren't LeBron, right? They're not Jordan. They're not Kareem. You can't expect them to just carry a terrible roster to being very good. Just them being able to drag this team to not the worst in the NBA is pretty good. And some of these guys, that's that's the reality that you know we we judge an individual performance by a team performance. When when we can dig deeper into the individual performance, the individual performance is excellent. It's just the team is dog shit well i'm not talking about though with with carl anthony towns them winning a championship i'm talking about actually like being competitive and and getting to the getting to the actual playoffs i mean kevin garnett he dragged his team to the playoffs numerous times they just didn't have enough in the playoffs to to compete like carl anthony towns outside of the year they had jimmy butler they've been a top five worst team in the nba 
I, I mean, at yeah. some point, yeah. like, I mean, if, if that talent is that good as you say he is, there's no reason they shouldn't be. I'm talking about just competing for a playoff spot, not competing for championships. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there, but eventually, like, I think Minnesota, if you put with, with all the skill level that they have, like, you should be competing for playoff spots. Yeah, no, I think so because, and I, I'd almost say he's a top 10 talent, like, if we're looking at that. But I'll say this about Cat he hasn't impacted winning necessarily, but what he does is he impacts offense tremendously. Okay. Like when he is on the court and he's healthy, you're going to have an above average, if not top 10 offense and maybe even top five, if we, you know, like they could, and I think that's what a lot of people expected this season was that, you know, they were going to have a a really potent offense and it was just going to be the defensive end. And and that's what you get with cat. Okay. He ensures you, an above average offense. We'll just say that because I have not looked at these numbers. This is just kind of my mm-hmm. my take based on what I've seen. Um, and so he doesn't have that impact on defense, or he hasn't to this point. And that's where it's like if you put some good defensive pieces around him, mm-hmm. you might all of a sudden have a good team, a legitimately good team, because he makes you a good offense. Just you could put any four players around him pretty much. Okay. And and you have an above average offense, I think, if he's fully healthy. And and look, when when have they put defensive players around him? It it like even now they it, it's far from that. It's it's D and it's it's Ant Man. You know, it's like these guys are not Beasley doesn't really play defense. Like Jade McDaniels has more defensive upside than anybody, but he's right now he's like a hundred ninety pound six ten <laughs> dude. That you know he's yeah. he's awesome. He makes plays, but you know he, he's going to get there, and that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about him as a fit with this team because I think he could be an All NBA caliber defender. And and if he reaches that point while Cat is still in a Minnesota uniform, we could see things really take off. That and, and I think obviously that's what they want to target in trade. Um, Okogi's a nice defender. I don't know if you want him as your, your starter, um, which he has been doing. So I just think that's what they need to do. It sounds so incredibly simple and obvious, but it's like, you have to put defensive pieces around him. Look when they had Jimmy Butler around him and some of those other Tibbs guys like Taj Gibson was there, right? Um, that team made the playoffs for the Dude, first they were time. A top in, three you know, seed, a top three years. team before Jimmy yeah. Butler got hurt. Mm-hmm. Top three. They were a legitimately good team. If, yeah. Top three before Butler got hurt. I think that gave us a glimpse of what could happen if you put the right guys around him, and they just haven't had that since. And I want to see what what a cat-led team looks like when you've got a couple of truly um, high-level defenders well, kind of before we move him. on, I'll ask you guys both this rapid-fire question. Does Carl Anthony Towns, does he finish this, this contract with Minnesota? No. No? No. no. I don't believe so. So he's got – Alex Rodriguez, man, he's the three new more owner. years, right? He's the new three owner. Three more years after this one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say optimistic, Brad yes. Jacob. Look optimistic. at that. He's more optimistic uh, about your team, you know. Hey, but mm-hmm. you know, you know what? Glenn so you Jacob. think he demands a trade? <laughs> I don't. I who knows, dude? I don't know. I have no idea. That is the weirdest franchise to me ever. But you know what? Glenn Taylor probably needs. He probably needs some manscaped. Have you guys heard about manscaped, dude? Manscaped yeah. is fucking freaking amazing, dude. They they are so good, man. I got the perfect uh, package, the 3.0 package. It's awesome. I say it every time that we're on here. The ball toner and the ball deodorant is unbelievable, man. I use it every day. Every single day I use it. I, I feel my confidence level is high. I love it, man. I absolutely love it. You don't have to worry about nicks with the performer, the trimmer. It's, it's fantastic, dude. I love everything about it. 
you can go to manscaped.com, use promo code overstated, and you get 20% off. You get free shipping. It's amazing, man. I'm telling every every dude that's listening to this, get it. Get it, get it, get it. It'll 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 impact your life in in such a positive way. And shout out to Manscaped. They're great. Again, that's Manscaped, use promo code overstated. You get 20% off and free shipping. You can't go wrong. And you know, you'll be you'll be thankful. I can promise you you'll be thankful. But mo- moving on, uh Jacob, you had a really, really interesting thing. And I told you, don't say anything. Don't say anything until we get on the pod and we start recording. Let's go with the Cleveland Cavaliers. You said that you were the most optimistic you were about them since LeBron has left. Why don't you, why don't you tell us why? What, what about Cleveland has given you some optimism? So I think it's, it's a bit kind of conflating the idea of being optimistic with being super, super negative and then not being super negative because the key for me is Such that a British that team when LeBron Such left. Such a British thing to say. <laughs> but just that that LeBron team, when LeBron left, that team was so bad. Like the team around him is so, so bad. Like we knew straight away as soon as that next year, I believe if were they the worst team in the league? I think they were the worst team in the league, or like bottom three teams in the league the next year. But now we are looking what three years removed. Most of the contracts are either finished now or they will be finishing this year, next year. That's a lot of money off their books. I'm not like head over heels for Darius Garland or for Colin Sexton, but they didn't um, mess up those two draft picks necessarily. Darius Garland looks like a really interesting point guard. Colin Sexton is a gunner, and he's already probably better than I thought he would ever be coming into the league, which is big. Um, Okoro defensively looks like a monster in the making. Offensively, he has a long way to go, and that's going to make or break whether he can become a star or not. But defensively, he probably will stick in this league for a long old time. They got Jarrett Allen for basically nothing, because another team we're going to hit on later were awful. Um, they Larry Nance has taken a little jump. He's looked really good this year when he's played. They, for me, it's just that they haven't messed up, I think, any draft pick. What has been Sexton, Garland, Okuro in back-to-back drafts. Whether you want to say they made the best pick available to them, that's I don't really care. They didn't mess up any picks. They didn't draft, you know, Josh Jackson, you know, Frank and Tilakina, Mo Bamba, those type of guys. They, they drafted real NBA players. They picked up real NBA players in Jarrett Allen, through trades, I just feel like there hasn't been a time since LeBron left that this team has had a positive outlook going forward, and I feel that's the case now. They had a really good start to the year. They've been obviously spiraled to end it. I believe what were they? I'm actually just looking at now. They were at one point in the season they were nine and nine, and now they are twenty one and thirty eight. So it's definitely spiraled, but the start of the season was a positive one for them. And I believe with development of those young players, with the next draft pick coming in, who maybe they'll find the right piece. The Cleveland Cavaliers, more than some of the other teams we could talk about here, are more set up to take that jump in the near future than I think even Minnesota, honestly. I think even given that Carl Anthony Towns is better than all the players in Cleveland combined, I think 
Cleveland is more set up to take a jump than Minnesota is wow, going forward. Look at Jacob. Shout out to the Cavs. Brett, what do you what do you think about what Jacob just said? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely reason for optimism. Um, one good thing about the Cavs is they have all their own draft picks going forward. I think you could even look out, you know, seven, eight years, whatever, and I think they own all of their own picks mm-hmm. during those years. So that's been smart of them not to give any of those up at any time because a lot of these teams um you know <clears throat> chicago you know it seemed so willing to do that uh just to maybe get a little better in the short term and the Cavs haven't made that sacrifice kevin loves contract is the elephant in the room I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it is a fucking elephant it's like 30 million a year somewhere around there and he's under contract for uh the next two seasons so that's obviously one they're gonna try to move off of maybe one of these teams with a lot of cap space can absorb it um you know, they can just get a little something back, even if that's just, you know, a couple second rounders, something like that, and create a trade exception. You know, um, they'll have to figure out something with that because he is he is garbage. Uh, he's not yeah. close to the player he was. Um, and 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 that's a lot of money to have on the books. And you don't just want him. You, you feel like he could maybe get toxic over time if he hasn't already. Um, I know he's sort of playing the part of a good teammate, but he's also had some not so great moments on and off the court in that regard. So I just think you want to get him out of there, much like you wanted to get Drummond out of there. And, and I think they'll be able to do that. Jared Allen is going to be a free agent this summer. Reports are that they're going to offer him an extension in the neighborhood of $100 million. Um, they've all but promised they're going to keep him there. Long term. So, yeah, that's your young core. The guys you mentioned, Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Larry Nance Jr., at least for the next couple of years, and then Jared Allen long term. Yeah, you know, I love Jared Allen. I love Okoro. Um, I think Sexton and Garland, it looked like maybe it can work. Like earlier this season, like you said, when they were 500 team and playing really well, um, I'm not so sure anymore. I think if it were up to me, Look, I don't think Sexton's value is ever going to be higher than it is right now. That's the guy I would look to move. I mean, I underestimated him, okay? Like, I didn't like him coming into the draft. I didn't like him his first two seasons really at all. And now he's a pretty good player. He, The kid works hard. He's worked on his game. He's worked on his shooting. He's gotten a lot better. Um, he's really good. But I also think his value is just about as high as it's ever going to be. And I think – I think you need to reshape this team a little bit. I just don't think Sexland is ideal in the backcourt. So, and I like Garland a lot. I, I say roll with Garland. You know, as far as I think a Coro can play the two, maybe you trade Sexton for a wing, uh, a shooter, mm-hmm. and maybe some, you know, draft picks, whatever you can get. But I, I just think. I think that's what you do if you're going to move somebody other than the obvious one, Love and, and Torian Prince, whose contract's expiring next year as well. I think you look to move Gar- uh, Sexton, I should say. So uh, I'm not super optimistic about this team, um, but I'm also not down on them. They're at least in the context of these teams we're talking about today. They're probably right in the middle. They're just, mm-hmm. and maybe it's just an inherent thing with the Cavs franchise, but they're just not that exciting. Um, yeah. But maybe they They've maybe got, they shouldn't be exciting. Maybe exciting is a good team for that franchise. Not exciting is a good team for that <laughs> franchise. I mean, they've got a little bit of that, and we saw it earlier in the season—a sort of grit and grind kind of identity. And I, I like BJ Bickerstaff a lot. I think he 
brings that. And I think Okoro uh, embodies that. And so does Nance. And, and so they, I think they've got an, and, and so does Sexton too, to his credit. Um, that kid is a bulldog out there. So they, I think they've got an identity that's being built. And um, again, it's just a matter of playing their cards right. So let's see what they land in this year's draft. Maybe they'll get lucky. I don't think any team has been luckier in the lottery, not with how their picks have turned out. <laughs> Anthony Bennett. <laughs> Andy Wiggins. But uh, as far as like landing number one picks between LeBron and, and Kyrie and, and Wiggins and, and Bennett, I mean, they've had a lot. No so more number one picks we'll for them. If, they don't deserve any more. Maybe one more though. Maybe one more. Maybe they'll get lucky as hell. If any team was going to just shock the world uh, and, and land that number one, man, it probably would be the Cavs, so, but we'll see how Brett, that goes. Speaking of grit and grind. <laughs> How about shout out to Molly Hunter? Shout out to the Detroit Pistons. Um, you know they are yeah. they are terrible this year. And Molly has told us. She's told me. <laughs> she told me personally. She's told us on the on the on the streams that she loves watching this team. She's she's really excited about it. Um, you know they, she's clearly in in tank mode. Um, Detroit mm-hmm. is uh, you know really really bad. Uh, they are eighteen and forty three, three and seven in their last ten. They are the th- third worst team in the NBA dead last in the Eastern conference, Jacob mm-hmm. piss gang. What, what are you, piss gang, baby. what are you, where is your optimism <laughs> level on the Detroit Pistons? As currently constructed, not super high, but I am enjoying them because this was for me personally experiencing it. This is what the Detroit Pistons did this off season was the most bizarre off-season kind of series of moves. They love a good they, big man. In the space of like four hours, they acquired like five centers. It was the most amazing thing I think I've ever seen. And then they drafted Isaiah Stewart, who's probably the best one now out of all of them going forward. So it was it was in, in just an incredible time to be alive, seeing Detroit do these things. Uh, I, I'm probably not as high as some. I think Sadiq Bey has a lot of potential I think he's probably the young player they have I'm most high on. I'm saying Jeremy Grant is not a young player. He's 26. He's in his prime. He is fair play to them. They, you know, acquired him in free agency. He's a stud. He is, you know, he's completely exploded. He's obviously not the best player on a playoff team. We're seeing what a team where Jeremy Grant is the best player gets you. But he is like, a, you know, a third option, a real high-level third option. And that is really interesting for Detroit going forward. I don't know if they're going to actually keep him because they probably, his value's blown up so much that they're probably better off trading him, honestly, in the long term. But it's fun to have him around. Isaiah Stewart, I'm not high on him. I'm high on him in that I think he's he may well become the best center out of this draft class. He may well become one of the best players out of this draft class. But the position he plays, how he plays it, he's quite traditional as a center. I'm not sure what his actual value is going to be. Kind of at the best I can imagine him, I can't, I'm not sure how valuable he's going to be. Killian Hayes is, I'm not super high on him, but he's looked quite good since coming back from injury. We'll see as well how he develops. And Seiko Dumboya, they've just pushed to the bottom of the depth, depth chart. God knows what's ever going to happen with Dumboya. So they don't really have a lot of assets to go forward. And the team isn't actually that bad. Like out of all these teams we're talking about that we have talked about on this podcast and there's still one more for us to hit on, these teams are, you know, they average out, I think, at 
a net rating of minus six, minus seven, minus eight in some cases. Really, really bad teams. And this Pistons team is like minus three, minus four. It just, they're losing a lot of games, but they're not the worst team out of all these. I worry that they're not really going to ever be in a position to acquire really super high level um, players. Right now they are, I think, slated to come third. So maybe they're going to come third, get someone really good in this draft. Entirely possible. I'm just, I'm not sure the direction this team goes going forward, honestly, apart from just try to be really bad and get good young players. I'm not sure there's much else they can do. I mean, it's a total rebuild. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of how I look at it. Where like when we talk about OKC, it's like, okay, they've got SGA, Baisley. Like they've got building blocks. Okay, Orlando's got building blocks. Minnesota's obviously got building blocks. Detroit, like you said, their best player is Jeremy Grant. Um, And I agree with you. I think the best thing they could do is probably look to trade him because I think they're really high on Sadiq Bey, rightfully so. And they play essentially the same position. And um, Grant's value is super high. $20 a year-ish, I think whatever it was, seemed a little crazy. Um, Still does, but I think it's a tradable contract. Mason Plumlee is another guy that they signed who love a good um, big at eight, mi- love a good at eight million love a year a though. That's, that's a very tradable contract. Like, you know, you could move him to a team that wants to win some games. I think he could be the best backup center in the league. Um, and I mean, I think he could be, I really do. I think when he was with Denver, he was arguably that the best backup. Okay. Not starter. Uh, so I think they could move, move him and him and Grant would probably be the pieces they look to move. Um, We'll see about Grant. I mean, he's young. Maybe they want to keep him and try to build around him. But like you said, man, I don't think he's a guy for that role. Um, they've got their own draft pick, which, like you said, projects to be uh, number three, definitely in the top five. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, I don't want to talk too much about the incoming rookies because I just haven't really begun my scouting process. But Jalen Green is a guy that I could see slotting in perfectly as like a two guard, um, you know, next to Hayes and in, in between Hayes and, and Bay. Uh, I think they nailed their last draft, which is great. Now Hayes, I, I was definitely lower on than most coming into the draft. I feel a little bit better about him now. Um, he has been playing well. He's been showing flashes at least of like, oh, okay, okay. I see how this translates to the NBA game. He's made some very high level passes. You take one look at him, he's got great size. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. So I'm by no means out on Killian Hayes, even if I'm not super excited. But then I think with Bay and Stewart, especially where they got them in the draft, I would say overall they had one of the better drafts in the league. So that's great. That's a lot to be excited about. I know Molly is. I know other Detroit fans are excited about their rookies. So, you know, I, I don't I don't think they have a ton of cap space. Uh, and I don't know how desirable they are as a free agent destination. Yeah. Maybe maybe Josh Jackson, you can continue to salvage his career and keep him there long term as like a role player. But like you said, man, it's it, what are we don't know what they're going to do. We don't even know what this is going to look like. We don't know who's going to be there long term. It's it's really they're the most mysterious of all these teams for sure. I mean, I'm I'm a little excited about them just based on their rookies and seeing who they get in this year's draft. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's um, that's a tough one to gauge. It really is. Because it, it, I think because this past offseason just didn't make a lot of sense to anybody. It's, mm-hmm. like, that's been the well, question. They, let, like, they let Christian Wood go, which was, which was super. I think everyone thought that he was going to be a shoe in to kind of stay back there. And 
Dwayne Casey is a pretty not, proven coach too, man. Not. I mean, it's just it's just weird. It's very very weird. I, I know that Stan Van kind of really screwed them over, but you know, it's just mm-hmm. it's interesting. The they're, they're, the they're very similar to Minnesota a little bit. The um, yeah, at least Minnesota's got like some serious talent there, and I'm more so talking about like and, this the, an organization that seems to be flawed from the from the ownership oh, all yeah, the way mm-hmm. down to you know the mm-hmm. custodial yeah. staff. You know, uh, pun intended there, but the, let, um, let's talk about the last team on our list. Say, um, oh, go ahead, Jacob. I'm sorry. Did you have one more thing to add? I was just going to say that the Christian Wood thing is well, it's a good transition as well because that is going to lead us to the last team. But yes, it will. The contract that he signed with the team we're about to speak about, the Houston Rockets, is one of the most bizarre parts of this because it's like $13.5 a year. It works out as on average. How no other team in the NBA, let alone the Detroit Pistons, who had Christian Wood in their building every day, didn't think he was worth $13.5 The only thing that I can think of, because I had heard and read that they were willing to pay him I think up to 15 is what they could have afforded. And they were willing to pay him that. The only thing I can think is that he didn't want to be there. Okay. Like he, he, I mean, I, he does not want to be in Detroit. And I think, and, and when you look at the other teams too, cause I'm like, Charlotte, like, why did you not, this guy would have been perfect for you. Yep. And you could say that for a few other teams, most certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he had his heart set on Houston. I don't know a ton about the guy. Maybe he's got ties there. Maybe he just, you know, I, I don't know, but for whatever reason, maybe he just loves the city. A lot of guys love Houston. Um, maybe he just wanted to be there, but I, I just think that's the only explanation is that he really didn't want to be in Detroit because I think they would, they definitely would have paid him that. I think if he had, there's uh, just so many, there. there's just so many teams like just off the top of my head, Boston, you have that massive trade exception and you're not thinking Christian Wood would be so good in Boston. That would make that offense so explosive and give you a solid defensive kind of big man center slash power forward, whatever position you want to play him at. Why better teams? They gave Tristan Tristan yeah, Thompson. Tristan Thompson yeah. nine and they couldn't. Hey yeah. man, dude, Danny Age is Danny Ainge is the GOAT, man. I'll not take this uh this level of, of criticism. Maybe teams weren't sold on Christian Wood, okay? Because it was it was still a pretty small sample size at that point. It's important to remember it was really it was. only 15, 20 maybe yeah. games that he was like unleashed last season when we saw what he could be. And maybe that wasn't enough for some hey, teams to even spend 14 Chase, on. Him. This is a, and this, maybe Houston was the team that was like, yeah. This is a huge yeah. shout out to Chase Campbell because this isn't a Bucks podcast, but the Bucks had him for a really long time. They really liked him mm-hmm. and they fucking, you know, let him go to the Pelicans. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But let, let's talk about, um, I had to get my little Bucks plug in there. Shout out to Drew Holiday, who's just balling <laughs> for all you fucking haters out there, too. Houston Rockets. Love them. Love them. So this franchise in the last like year has just been decimated. A couple days ago, it was announced that their CEO, Tad Brown, was going to step down. Um, you know, I don't even know who's left on this Rockets team. They've lost a lot of players since um, you know, the, 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 the playoffs last year. Obviously, Jacob, I want to get your reaction as well, because we we Brett and I talked about them on the, the trade reaction podcast with Victor Oladipo. They in the next seven drafts they have this the second most first round picks they have fourteen first round picks, which is great you know for long term future. I kind of looked at it as though with James Harden they could have had Ben Simmons they could have had Karis Levert they they could have done a lot with that and they kind of decided not to they kind of they decided to go the route of having a lot of draft picks. They are abysmal this year. Christian Wood has been been hurt. Uh, poor Steven Silas. I think we all feel for him. Mm-hmm. John Wall is there. It's really. Um, I, I think you have to be. I think this is fair to say you really have to be kind of a diehard Houston Rockets fan to watch this team. Uh, they they are they are extremely bad. 
record-wise, they are the worst team in the NBA. Shout out to my buddy Ross, who bet me $200 that Houston was going to have a better record than the Washington Wizards. So I'll take my um, my money. You know where to send the cash to. Um, they are 15 and 46. Jacob, <laughs> what are kind of your thoughts about Houston and kind of their thought yes, process? Uh, um, Raphael Stone just came out um, in the last couple of weeks and said he would do the James Harden deal, how he did it the exact same way again. If he had to, he said you should evaluate the deal, you know, in 2030. Uh, long-term, you can even go short-term or long-term. You take this wherever you want. Uh, what do you think of the Houston Rockets and that franchise going forward compared to where they were, you know, the, the last couple of years? I think you have to read it that the trade tells you the Houston Rockets don't want to be good for a while. Because like you say, and I actually made a post about this um, when the when the trade happened, when it all came through, I said, look, Ben Simmons by himself, if you just weigh up the probabilities, if you just weigh up the odds, Ben Simmons by himself is probably going to be more valuable than every draft pick they get from Brooklyn, especially going forward. Unless Brooklyn just tanks out in like 2026 and they, they end up with the number one overall pick, there is very, very small, a very small chance that they're ever going to get a player as good as Ben Simmons. And the fact they could have gotten Simmons plus a pick, plus maybe like Tyrese Maxey, that just adds to it. For me, it was very clear they did not want to be good. And then straight away, they traded the two best players maybe out of the entire trade package in Karis LeVert and Jarrett Allen. They did not want them. And they gave up Jarrett Allen for pennies on the dollar. They gave up Karis LeVert for Victor Oladipo, who they then like traded for nothing basically again. So this team doesn't really want to be good in long in the short term, which makes it weird they were making free agent signings this year. Um, like Christian Woods, you have to look to trade him when he has value rather than him walking. I yeah, but the the big thing that I forgot about, they owe like three of their draft picks to OKC. Yep, through the um, the Westbrook and Chris Paul trade. So even if they are bad, they might not keep their draft picks. They might lose kind of what they're working so hard for right now and they might end up with worse picks off than they will have i know if they um there's some iteration of the draft lottery where i think it's if they come fifth like if they come fifth in the draft lottery okc ends up with like two top 10 picks and houston ends up with like three top 30 picks like top picks between 20th and 30th in the draft which is if that's the most, that's the haul you're getting out of this season, it's going to be a rough few years in Houston. I think Houston, given the ownership, given the model, what they're kind of projecting out into the world in terms of what they actually want to do, I think Houston are the worst out of all these teams we've talked about in terms of prepping for the future, how they're preparing for it, and just their general outlook. I think it's so bad in Houston right now. It's rough. I mean, Christian Wood is probably the biggest bright spot. Mm-hmm. Kid's 25 years old. He's averaging like 21 and 10. Um, he's, I think he's on the fringes. Like I could see him becoming, if he's not already, like I'd have to think about it, but like a top six, seven center in the league, top six or seven, something like that. Probably not quite top five, but I think he's in that right in that next group down. So that's something, okay? If you can get a guy that's 25, 26 years old next season, that's firmly in like the top seven centers in the league, and he's got some versatility. 
Obviously, he can shoot the three. Mm-hmm. He can certainly protect the rim. He's not maybe quite as switchable as I had thought or as I had hoped. But again, you got a guy that can play inside, outside on offense, protect the rim on defense. He's still young. He's improving every year. He will continue to improve, I think, because he's kind of a late bloomer. That's how that goes. We talked about that on the Prime podcast. Um, so that's the the big bright spot. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is the other one. I, I believe that he does have all true all-star upside. Concerns remain about what he's doing off the court. Yes. Um, hit the thing in Miami at the strip club recently didn't do anything to alleviate those concerns. That's not great. So, but talent wise, man, when he's on the court, he's been pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the John Wall thing is just crazy. Okay. So he's under contract through, well, he's got through 2022 and then 2023 is a player option. For forty-seven million. Do you think, he, do you think he's going to take that, or you he's, think he's going to be opt making? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. <laughs> Stuff one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, seriously though, forty-seven oh million. Gosh. Not even next season, but the year mm-hmm. after that, when he's going to be like, I don't know, thirty-three, whatever, thirty-four. Like that—that that is so insane. Yeah. And Houston, like, and, and yeah, they're in this bad position because they've just made these trades. Like, none of them have been good for them like within what a three-year span they've traded chris paul russell westbrook and james harden and like i don't think they won any of those trades uh so yeah and and again so much of this like we've talked about with these other teams especially in this draft is going to come down to whether or not they can keep that pick like i said before it's a coin flip essentially Mm -hmm. um whether or not they they keep that pick in the top four so you know Fingers crossed for for Houston fans, but if they lose that pick, things are looking really bad, even with all the ones they have in the future. I mean, I don't think you're going to be able to trade Wall, although I think we've said that about Chris Paul and we've said that about Westbrook. 45 they million, though, Fred, to... is a lot of, is a Yo, lot it's of money. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I, like, I was looking at him like, no way. Like four, I think it's 47 is his player option. Good for John Wall, however the hell he well, they, they was, swindled you know what, just, Washington. Just to defend John Wall a little bit, before Jeez. he got hurt so many times, I mean, that was he was one of the few guys, you know, with Dame, he with Giannis, awesome. that signed the Supermax with their with their team that originally drafted them, right. you know. And, you know, injuries, you know, injuries suck, man, and that's kind of the risk you take with it. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he uh, had been – I think he had already been a little banged up when they mm-hmm. signed him. Like, they were – that was a risk. But, hey, but more power to John Wall. I mean, I can't be mad at the guy. Like, I like him a lot, too. He's He was one of my favorite players, especially before he got hurt. Um, That's a lot of money. But anyway, yeah, I, I mean, they've got – okay, so KPJ, Christian Wood, uh, Jay Sean Tate is a pretty nice young piece. He looks like somebody that could be there in the long term. Kenyon Martin Jr., a.k.a. Mini Mart, uh, <laughs> looks like he could be there. Uh, for a while he's he's a lot better than i thought he'd be but other than that man it's 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 pretty bleak and it's it's like yeah what are what were they trying to do like what's the plan here and and my only defense of them not wanting Jarrett allen is maybe they questioned what the fit would be next to wood and they prioritized wood and they didn't want to Sign Jarrett Allen to hundred million dollar extension I mean, in the summer. I have yeah. to think you could have got more yeah. season than what what Cleveland gave. I mean, Cleveland. We talked about it when that trade went I mean, down. Yeah. Cleveland was a, was a was a low key huge winner in that. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were, they were, and I, I do think they should have, um, you know, kept Jarrett Allen as part of that trade. But mm-hmm. uh, I, that's the only thing I can think of is like we just don't want to pay this guy. We just want to lose this season as much as possible. But I agree. I would want to have the asset. You know, maybe you could even sign and trade him uh, mm-hmm. 
but they're yeah not not a lot that they've done um, these past few years has made sense. But it's tough. They went all in to win a title. They built a 65 win team with CP and Harden. Probably would have won the title if CP doesn't get hurt. But they don't win the title, and then. I think a lot of times when you just go all in on something like that, this is kind of what it looks like. It just gets messy mm-hmm. in the ensuing years. Yeah, you know, we knew they're we in knew. a tough spot, man. We no doubt everyone. Yeah. Everyone knew they were. They kept, you know, they kept kind of cashing in assets to build around James Harden, and you know, we, we were saying at the time when Golden State were on their juggernaut run and Houston were trying to build to compete with some, them. Everyone was giving Houston a round of applause, like well done, you know, you're really trying to make it competitive, you're trying to be a great team to compete with the Golden State Warriors, this is the reality of that. That then three years later, you have nothing and you're trying to rebuild from scraps. But just to hit on the John Wall thing, yes, it's not like they could have, Washington could have not given him the Supermax, but I remember specifically, I was walking to the train station one day after work, I was coming back from a college to get a train home. And I remember reading an article. It was just after I think Westbrook and John Wall had signed their Supermax contracts. And it was basically saying, look, we need to realize these contracts with John Wall and Russell Westbrook, they could both become the worst contracts in NBA history at the end of these deals. And maybe Westbrook isn't going to be, maybe he's going to age a bit better, but John Wall is absolutely on track to be the worst contract, a $50 million year from John Wall when he's not even a starting level point guard. He's not even I mean, a good he's player. Been pretty, he's been pretty good this season. It's just within that context of the worst team in the league, it's so hard to mm-hmm. judge. But to me, he's looked pretty good, like probably better than I expected him to when he's on the court. But yeah, you fast forward two years oh, from now. That's a big bill. I mean, that's a big yeah, bill. it is. Yeah. It's it is. huge. K- it's uh, wild. I did forget about KPJ, though. You are right. KPJ, they got him for like, I think, because obviously Cleveland just wanted to get rid of him. And they, yeah. they did that thing where it's like a top 55 protected second for him, where it's like they trade basically nothing and the team just gets off him. He's been like, I think he put up 16 and 6 in the game since the G League. Since he's come back, it's like 16 and 6. Great. He, like you say, he's looked like their only young bright spark because Jay Sean Tate looks like a nice role player, but he's also 25. Christian Wood looks like a great player, but he's 25. They don't really have much going forward. You know, maybe Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be their bright spark if he can stay out of trouble. That's the thing. Basically. He's, he's got concerns. Like, yeah, if he was if he was just this squeaky clean dude, like I'd I'd feel a lot better about it. I love him. He's one of my favorite players. I think he's unbelievably talented. Mm-hmm. I think he's the closest thing we've seen to James Harden, funnily enough. But I don't know, man, but there's still those questions with him. And that, that gives me even more pause with this Houston team, because if he flames out or gets into trouble again, then it's like, you really have nothing. Yeah. So yeah, not, yeah. They're, they're the, they're, yeah, not a lot of optimism. It sucks. Cause I've always kind of liked that team. I've always been a Houston fan, like just dating back to the, the T-Mac days. And they're always a team I've been sort of high on. I, I really like that team with Chris Paul and Harden. And uh, it's kind of a bummer for, because they're uh, they're not looking great now. Yeah, they are. And but if, you know what? I think that's that's kind of the price you pay, Jacob. I think you hit it on the head, and you see Golden State. Yeah. I mean, granted, there is more so injury related. You know, none of this stuff mm-hmm. lasts forever. And I, I respect the teams that go all in mm-hmm. when they can. But yeah. um, 
That's going to do it for us. There's, Houston. There's, there's a huge NBA slate uh, on today. I think Chase even said there's 11 hours of straight basketball. I'm sure, uh, you know, we all want to get cold and uh, watch it. And just yeah. so you guys know, granted, this is Sunday. It's around uh, 1 o'clock my time. I mean, Charlotte is up by 15 against the Boston Celtics. Just throwing that out there. Just just throwing that out yes. there. You're just simply, you know, just, just throwing it out there. But um, you can find all of us at the Overstated NBA group. Uh, we do, like we've been saying, we've been doing a ton of streaming, a ton of Zoom stuff, uh, watching games. We, we recently added Thursday, so Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Who knows how long the Thursday thing is going to last, but shout out to Jacob for jumping on on Friday. That was that was awesome seeing your your smiling face. You still haven't got a haircut. I respect it. Keep it growing, man. Keep, keep it growing. Maybe so next, next time we'll have a – well, we'll do a haircut, a haircut update for you. Um, once again, we were going to have a special guest on today. It was going to be Derek. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he's drunk in a ditch somewhere, but um, he was supposed to get back to me, but he never did. JK, I never sent him a text message. He was texting me. I said, ah, dude, sorry. Sorry, buddy. So uh, uh, that's that's going to do it for us. So go buy some Manscaped stuff, guys. Uh, promo code overstated. You get 20% off. We really appreciate everyone's support. For myself, Brett, and Jacob, peace.